We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Look, nobody loves to bank; they love what banking can help them achieve. And Emprise Bank is looking to say yes to those with a dream, whether it's saving for your first home, a new car, starting a family, starting uh, the KCSN Draft Guide. Emprise is your partner impossible. They've absolutely been our partner impossible here at KCSN. They're wonderful to work with. And it's wonderful to be back with my dear friends. First, find them on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Matthew Lane. Hello. How are we? Good to see you. What's ha- what's happening, buddy? Uh, we did a we. It was fun. We did this live post game show from the preseason, and I think the people got to see you in the comment section asking to get on the show, but they didn't get half of the requests that we did from you to get on the show via DMs, <laughs> via text messages, phone calls. Like Kim was, I was on the boat, and he wanted on the show something fierce, and it might have been more fun just to watch him send us rapid fire messages than it was anything else craig yeah oh yeah no i was taking an extra special amount of joy just watching kent squirm waiting to get on <laughs> i really want to get on I really want to share I, my thoughts i was like i i figured out about five minutes in that there was like no chance that you guys were gonna let me on like i True. knew tucker saw it Tucker totally saw it. I have a beef with Tucker specifically. Nah, I, nah, no. I don't have beef with Tucker. I, I think, I think Tuck did it. I mean, he did it. If it, it makes you feel better, I made the call. Yeah. <laughs> if it makes you feel uh, I'm better, it, I'm gonna give it to Maddie. Oh, I think know, we hey. were all on the same page, but no one wanted to say it. So, like, I just said it. You're just like, I have, I have no desire to hear Kent from a boat yelling incoherently about. Uh, no, we just want to talk defense. So, like, we knew if yeah, we allowed we, you on, that wasn't going to happen. Like, we have to take advantage when it comes, you know. Uh, so, like, when you're shaking your shell can't... and you see Tampa 2 and you know the net, very next play Tampa 2 is coming again and your eyes light up and you call that audible at the line of scrimmage and get Justin Watson his touchdown that he talks about, that was us. That was Shane Buchel. Yeah. You weren't here. You know, their Tampa 2 was our ability to talk about defense. What a... Kent, would, would you like to join us on Thursdays? Starting now, throughout the rest of the season, live at eight o'clock, we're moving what? to our our season schedule, buddy. We we are. Tell the people about it. No, you got it. You're you're okay. crushing it. Oh, thanks, bud. Uh, you know we're gonna be live on Thursdays at eight o'clock. You were used to us being live on Mondays at eight o'clock. We are going to be giving you the game preview every single week, starting this week 
Thursdays, Casey Sports Network on the YouTube page. That's where we will be live. The audio will be available afterwards. The video will be available afterwards. But join us as we break down each opponent each week. We'll take questions. We'll do all that stuff. We'll make it fun for you, just like we're going to do for tonight. It's going to be good to be back in the rotation for the season again. I'm, I'm ready to get back on the schedule doing all that stuff. It's fun. This is this is the fun time, and it doesn't stop until next June now. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going now. Here we go. It's We're yeah. back on the saddle. So, yeah, Monday Night Live, uh, Thursday Night Live, KC Laboratory. So, like, I don't know if I need to say it's a live edition of the KC Laboratory anymore because we're just always live now. Yep. Uh, so, Mondays and Thursdays, 8 p.m., be there. Uh, come hang out with us while we're talking football. Hey, if you're watching right now, please hit the like. Please hit the subscribe button. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Um, if you want to leave some comments about maybe some players that you thought stood out during the Chiefs' first preseason game, uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about some of our observations, but there's plenty of news that we got to start with. Uh, well, kid, you know, first, what was your biggest takeaway? No, I just want to ask you, what was your biggest takeaway oh, yeah. from the game? You weren't here. So what? What was like? what's the thing that's going to stick with you from that first game? Um, some of the subtleties of Sky Moore and Isaiah Pacheco, and actually, I think Andy Reid even talked about Isaiah Pacheco, um, with with the catch and the contact balance down the sideline. Talk about him today. I just got really giddy about those plays. Um, and, and Sky Moore's tough catch on third down, uh, you know, in the middle of the field. Um, obviously the toe tap, some of the body control there. There's some very impressive little things there that maybe aren't like the most, you know. Obviously, like George Karloff is going to get like the highlights and all that stuff. But like, I really, I kind of geeked out about those two subtle moves. I might wind up talking about both of those guys a little bit later in, in the week. We'll see. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, um, we, we might talk a little bit more about that uh, and more. But I think we got to start with, I, I think the biggest news, and I'm not talking about Danny Shelton. We'll get there. <laughs> He's the biggest news. Um, but uh, Lonnie Johnson. Uh, is one of the first five out the door for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have to cut their 90-man roster down to 85 by tomorrow, and they get a jump start uh, letting Lonnie Johnson, the cornerback, uh, well, safety turned cornerback, or cornerback turned safety turned cornerback, whatever you want to call it, uh, was playing cornerback here for the Chiefs. The Chiefs traded a 2024 conditional seventh-round pick to acquire Johnson. He did not last long. I don't think any of us are surprised today after seeing training camp. But if you had told June 1st, Craig, Kent, and Maddie, I think we were, we'd all be very surprised that yes. Johnson is so far out, is out the door early, Maddie. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And I think this probably goes for a lot of fans. I remember going through the offseason. I think it was Craig and I did just a quick like reaction to the Chiefs signing line Johnson. And I mean, it was one that a lot of people watched and went back to like, it was just something that it came in a dead period. And that's obviously not the best way to gauge things, but there was like this idea that line Johnson could come in by us. And we talked about it too, maybe fill a little bit of the shoes that Charvarius Ward was leaving in terms of just being a press corner that works in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme on the boundary. There was a lot of similarities. Then you fast forward and you get to camp and he's behind Joshua Williams and maybe behind you, Jalen Watson and all these guys. And all of a sudden you're like, Hmm, what is, what is, what is going on here? Maybe it's just getting rookies some more reps. And then you get to the preseason game and you're midway through the fifth, the fourth quarter and Lonnie Johnson is still out there. And I immediately was like, Oh, that's not good. Like he's out there battling with guys that are 100% only going to be camp bodies and he's still out there and he didn't even see the field until deep into the second half. It was only a matter of time. I think the chiefs did him a favor by cutting him now first. Mm -hmm. He now gets a chance to go jump on with another team. It's like, it's very, it was very obviously coming after you saw camp and the way the game went, but over the past couple months, like this is not something I would have placed money on. Oh, definitely not. I mean, I think even after the chiefs drafted, you know, it, when they went through the draft and they added all those bodies in the room, I think if you were to quiz me right then and there, I would have said, yeah, Trent McDuffie's probably going to start, LeJarrius Sneed's going to start, and then Rashad Fenton and Lonnie Johnson are going to be competing for that third spot. And I, I would have almost wrote him into the roster almost. You know, like it, it felt like the skill set, the length, the physicality, all that stuff just fit the way that Spagnolo wants to play with his cornerbacks. But I, I want to highlight something that uh, in the chat here, KL368 put, the rookie cornerbacks are not just camp hype. And that is 
spot on. Like they aren't making this move unless Steve Spagnolo and Dave Merritt are sitting down and telling him, it's like, listen, there's not much difference, if any, between Lonnie Johnson and Jalen Watson and Nazi Johnson and certainly Joshua Williams, who was running with the ones before today. Like these guys are the real deal and are going to be the real deal. Like I don't want to lose any of these guys in favor of Lonnie Johnson. I mean, if it's par for the course, they're certainly going to stick with the younger guy with a little bit more of a future ahead of him, contract control, everything like that. So yeah, I do think that this was a move in a normal year. Maybe they would have saved him for closer to the 53-man roster, but it was very clear early that he was not going to be one of those guys contending for one of the top spots. So I think that they just went ahead, cut bait now, go catch on with another team. We're rolling with the young kids. They gave him a shot to to you know kind of kind of latch on elsewhere, and I would anticipate he'll get a chance to latch on relatively quick. Um, but yeah, I, it is to your point, Craig. I think it says a lot about the cornerback room and the rookies and the young kids because um, I think about you know like there's not a ton of known commodities at the cornerback position. You know, there's two: there's Rashad Fenton and and Legarius Sneed, and that's it. And it's largely a bunch of a bunch of young guys behind him. Uh, DiCaprio Boodle is the most ex- is like the third most experienced cornerback right now, I think. Um, so, I mean, they've got like, you know, they've got a lot of young guys that um, that have intrigued them. Obviously, I know Jalen Watson got roasted by Tristan Ebner in, in space, but like everything else about his game left me very, very, very I, encouraged. I could talk about this for a Let's long go. honestly time. hey can we like i'm fine sidebarring and going there because yeah. like i mean you, please let's do it because i was i was i was very pleased with what we saw out of jalen watson yesterday absolutely. Or on saturday absolutely i if you go to kcsn daily that's the substack kcsn.substack.com 30 dollars a year or five dollars a month you get access to a whole bunch of stuff chance to win chiefs tickets to every home game exclusive film rooms we'll be doing one on george carloff this this week and all of our film breakdowns i did a breakdown of the first team defensive backs but i could have done a full breakdown on jalen watson just by himself with the second team there he was that there were so many positive indicators so many ways he was in the hip pocket of his receiver the entire time the bears receivers aren't anything to write home about but he dominated them by and large he was able to come up with a good pbu he made a couple crucial tackles he was sticky throughout the entire coverage tree you know that he had to be a part of there and i think the part that i loved the most was his timing on passing guys off this goes for all those guys in the first team as well but jalen watson as well showed an innate, an innate timing for peeling off of his guy in zone coverage, peeling off to the flat, being able to transition between guys during route combinations. They looked like they weren't rookies. Like, again, we just talked about how the camp or the, the hype is real and it's not just camp hype and everything like that. That showed it. It's just the football IQ, the ability to transition between some of that stuff. I, Maddie, I know you felt the same way. You, you were all in on his game after Saturday. Yeah, I I was trying to watch the uh, coach's film of the game, and NFL has made that quite difficult to do. But as I struggled through, I came when I was like, okay, Jalen Watson had probably the best overall game out of any, I think, of the secondary players for the Chiefs. Now, he was going against second, third, four stringers, so like you have to take that into consideration. But from the pass breakup on the slant to, like Craig's talking about, just understanding and seeing the game, there was a play in the red zone off play action where a linebacker's chasing the running back out into the flat, who then he's turning up to go to the back pylon. Watson's sitting there telling the linebacker to go peel off and take a crosser so that he can take the running back. And he's pointing it out. He's calling it immediately. And then he has great coverage, you know, gives, takes away any throwing window. It's an incomplete pass. It's like he was just – the game didn't look too fast for him. The spot didn't look too big. There's going to be some issues when you watch his footwork or his handwork. He's going to be a little grabby. His foot, his foot speed isn't always the quickest – but he clearly was up to speed with what the Chiefs wanted him to do. He seemed mm-hmm. to really understand it mentally. And I think Steve Spagnolo earlier, you know, in camp was directly talking about how there's some guys, and it happened right after Jalen or Watson got put on the first team. He's like, some guys just need to be put with other guys that are playing faster to spark them to play faster. They'll be a little bit slower when they're playing with other guys that might be still putting it together. And it was almost pretty much a one-to-one comparison for him. 
it looks like that might have worked. Getting some of that time with the first team guys operating a little bit quicker against the first team and with the first team defense, he was quick out there and he was sharp. So like, I really like what I saw. Yes, he missed a tackle, which in which the linebacker and defensive end both crashed down, left the man completely on an island yeah. with 23 yards to cover. He took a bad <laughs> angle. He got beat. But you know, it wasn't just. I mean, he him. cut up it inside, like, right? Hey, <laughs> force defender. It, it wasn't just his fault, but he got. Yeah, yeah, you know, that wasn't a great play. But besides that, he came up and made some big hits. He was physical, so yeah, I really like Jalen Watson's game. I hope he gets to play a little bit earlier. Like he should be competing with what we saw with Joshua Williams for whatever cornerback this is going to be. Cornerback four, I guess. Maybe three depends on how you want to. You know, or five, I guess. Depends how you want to go about it. But he's earned the right to be in that competition now even though I think Williams should still have it, the head up right now because of the entire camp long battle. So I just quickly looked at it and we had Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams in the KCSN got draft guide nearly identical to each other. In fact, Jalen Watson was a slightly higher grade. So we had a pretty high regard for Jalen Watson in the, in the draft guide. So it was good to see, you know, it was good to see. I think Williams, I think Joshua Williams has shown a little bit more fluidity through his frame than I thought from Watson. Like, I think Watson's been a little bit more rigid, but like, I think, you know, you yep. saw a lot of the reasons that you let me like Watson coming out. I mean, physicality. Um, I mean, the length plays. Um, I think his play on play on the football was a little bit better than like a you know than what Joshua Williams put on tape. Uh, really. And it, actually, I want to ask you guys about that Justin Fields insane throw <laughs> that. Like maybe Joshua Williams should have played the ball with the other hand, but I'm not sure it matters. Like that, I think that... he was just. I think he was too early. I think he turned. Uh -huh. He saw the ball, and I think, I think he struggled with finding the ball a little bit in camp. That's probably something in the back of his mind. He sees the receiver turn, try to locate the ball, and start to adjust to it. He turned around. He located the ball, and he immediately elevated for it. The issue was the ball was, just, and I don't want to say it was a duck, but it was floating a little bit. So he just jumped too early and missed it. Like I, it was a perfect throw, I think. But I also think if Williams was able to pick up the trajectory of the ball and like where it was going to land, I think he easily, you know, just slows his jump down, maybe takes one more step before jumping and he easily makes a play on it. So it's, it's going to happen. You like that he got his head around. You like that he attempted to make a play on the ball. He just honestly was early. And that's, I guess, good news, seeming we've seen him not play the ball a few times from some <laughs> clips throughout training camp so far. I mean, and we can also point to Legarius Sneed timing his jump a little bit too early on that Darnell Mooney play. I also wanted to highlight there, as I did in the article, Trent McDuffie getting out of the way of that pick play, the way he contorted his body with the leverage that he was playing to move out of the way so Legarius Sneed could go under the pick and still be able to keep up with Darnell Mooney. That is underrated. It, I am so hyped for these rookie cornerbacks. I, <laughs> I, am, I am crazy I hyped for these rookie corners. So, yeah, no, it, it's great. It, it, we've seen positive things from all these guys. So, yeah, it just makes sense to bring it all back around to why they felt comfortable moving on from Lonnie Johnson at this stage. Yeah, no, what a yeah, you're so good at all these transitions, Craig. I think, you know, like the length is the length of this group has played from from a rookie perspective and like you said the I, the the IQ has played really well with with Trent McDuffie. It's been fun to watch. One quick more question on the cornerback position. Is it do we think it's DiCaprio and I know DiCaprio Boodle's probably got, you know, a leg up from the slot perspective. Do we think it's DiCaprio Boodle versus Nazi Johnson for the one of, for the last cornerback spot? Like I think Legere Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Rashad Fenton, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson are locks. Is it Nazi Johnson versus DiCaprio Boodle, we think? I listen, I'm gonna say this, knowing full well how Maddie's gonna take this. I, I don't think that we can just shove Chris Lamont's out of the way here. I think that I think that right Ooh. now he is on the roster. So I think that <laughs> I don't I don't think that we get so I think he's on the roster. So I think it's closer to Jalen Watson, DiCaprio Boodle, and Nazi Johnson are all competing for a spot. And right now, DiCaprio Boodle is the only guy that plays in the slot unless you're comfortable oh. putting Rashad Fenton back in there. I don't think, as good as Watson was, I don't think he's ahead of Boodle if you're starting to parse mm. out who's making this roster because Boodle does more. I mean, he just simply does more. He's a proven special teamer. He was called up last year to play special teams and spots for the Chiefs. So you know he can do it. He's played some safety for the Chiefs last year in camp. He's playing, you know, in the nickel. He played in on the outside at Nebraska, so he can play 
inside, outside, safety, and on special teams, I don't feel comfortable saying anybody besides, you know, the top guys, McDuffie, Sneed, Fenton, are like the guy, and Joshua Williams, I will put on there. But I will say I yeah. only really feel super comfortable about this first three definitely being ahead of him, probably Joshua Williams too, but he just does so much. And again, I know there was some hints coming out of camp today that McDuffie's getting a little bit of work in the slot, but it was just very, that just a tiny, tiny bit of a, oh, McDuffie took a rep in the slot. And then that was it. And then it was back to Boodle being your second team slot corner. I think that matters. I'll I, go I mean, nuclear if Jalen Watson isn't on this team over Chris Lamont's. We all will. Chiefs to this will commence. This is one of the first, I said it last week. This is one of the first times where like, I just, the Chiefs have enough young talent at corner that it makes no sense to keep a special teams only guy. In years past, whether you want to say the corner room was better or not with Breland and Ward and Sneed and all those guys together, there wasn't the bottom in talent to justify, you know, being upset if Lamont's makes the team this year. It's justifiable. Like you got to be upset if they cut one of these guys. It's happening. For, it's happening, though. I'll put it. I don't it. think so. I'll put it simply: if they, if the Chiefs lean into this youth movement all year, and then Dave Tobe gets the impact to just nuke it at the end, I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. Like I'm sorry. Like I'm just. I I I can't do it. You know what I can do? Coffee. Uh, and trade coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small town trade. Customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. And you can take a simple quiz online you'll get paired with great coffees and trades first match guarantee. They're so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag of coffee for free. So uh, whether your friends call you a coffee snob or you just know it when coffee tastes really perfect trades, real coffee experts personally taste test over 450 roasts. So they know exactly what to recommend for you. Right now, Trade is offering a new subscriber uh, a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash KCSN. That is more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That is drinktrade, T-R-A-D-E dot com slash kcsn for thirty dollars off uh can we talk do we just touch on rashad fenton uh because yeah. we're you're talking about the youth movement all this time at the cornerback position we're all geeked out and we're looking at you know Jalen watson is going to be an all pro and all this stuff but um i think you know we need to we need to go back because rashad fenton uh at practice today immediately jumps into the ones like you know the known commodity is still extremely valuable for this football team, I think when it comes to, you know, the front end guys, they're giving all these, you know, the youth experience or the, all the experienced guys, a lot more opportunities here up front now. And Rashad Fitton jumps right in starts, uh, is, is with that first group. Jay, uh, Joshua Williams kind of gets pushed back down a little bit. Not surprising. I don't think, I, I know we, you know, debated a little bit about this last week, but Rashad Fitton's been here for a while. He knows the defense he is, I mean, he's the veteran leader of that group. He's played, he's been around this scheme the longest. That makes a lot of sense. Even if we're all hoping, I think that he is, you know, overtaken by Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson or anybody else as the season goes on, he at least provides a safety net in terms of a level of play that is competent to be on the field. I don't know if he's shutting anybody down. I don't know if you're, if Rashad Fitton is stopping any team from attacking that side of the field but he at least gives you, you know, a competent level or competent starter out there. He jumps right back in. He takes it. He gets into some shouting matches. I don't think he sprayed his gun across the field this time. Um, <laughs> like he did in celebration last year, but uh, yeah, it's like, he's back. He's out there. He's bringing a little bit of attitude. It's like, that's fun. Um, just, you know, Josh Williams, get, keep getting better. So you can take his job. Cause I, I just, <laughs> I would like to see somebody else out there besides Rashad Fenton. I mean, I, I think what we'll probably see, is we'll probably see Rashad Fenton start. We've seen Spagnolo like go maybe two on, one off with with some of these corners. You know, maybe have Rashad Fenton 
get a couple of drives, maybe talking week one here, a couple of drives, and then switch him out for Joshua Williams and just kind of see what you've got. He's done that with Rashad Fenton specifically, did it last year with Fenton and Mike Hughes. Like he rotated guys until they felt comfortable with what he had out there. And even Mike Hughes at times throughout the season was the first choice guy over Rashad Fenton in a couple of occurrences. So it, it remains to be seen. That doesn't mean that Rashad Fenton is locked into that. I will say that I love all the youth movement. I love what they've done back there, the football character, the football IQ and everything like that. But I do like my corners to be shit talkers. And Rashad Fenton being back in the equation here definitely helps with that. Gets into it with Patrick Mahomes on day one of being a starter gets with with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey <laughs> over over something that was very clearly a hold he had a, he had a fistful of Travis Kelsey's jersey on that route but I love it like I I love that's what he is that's who he is I I love that being out there I love that mentality being out there and I love somebody that's going to be that fiery about it Travis Kelsey mentioned it after practice because he was on the podium he said man he loves Rashad. Like he loves playing against a guy that's that passionate, that loves going up against him, that loves bringing that sort of fire to him. And that competition just kind of breeds new competition all over camp, makes them all better. So him bringing that just day one, I I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Do hey. you think the Chiefs are missing that? Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, just who, because who Mahomes got mad. Mahomes was like actively frustrated was. with what was, was being said, and it takes a lot to upset him. He doesn't get that upset easily when guys are shit talking him on the field. So here you have Rashad Finn, his teammate, in the first day of practice, saying enough to visually and verbally upset Patrick Mahomes. Like, is the has the defense just lacked a guy that is willing to do that over the past couple of years? Or are they afraid to because the offense is just so much better? I, I mean, I don't know. It just was funny to see how upset he got at Rashad. He was mad. He was <laughs> yeah, mad. that's what I'm saying. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen often. I mean, it was such an egregious hold that it's not making anybody better, too, and that's a wasted rep. So he could just be annoyed with how – I'm serious. I mean, he could be annoyed with them wasting everybody's time. Listen, because listen to that was a quarterback. That was here. egregious. <laughs> that is getting called 10 times out of 10. Like, he said he was doing it all day, too. Yeah. Yep. So they're just, hey, you're wasting our time. We can't get better because you're holding us back. I don't know. Who knows? I could see that. I condone it. Uh, I condone the angst. I'm just saying. Hit the like and subscribe button if you uh, if you uh, condone the angst of Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Well, leave a leave a comment if you want. You want to hear? We want to hear from you guys if you have some stuff you want uh, <coughs> off your chest about the cornerback position, Rashad Fenton's egregious hold, uh, whatever. It's uh, worse. Feel if you free. side with Rashad Fenton here, um, you can also hit the like button. I don't want that to go on. <laughs> if, if you're on Rashad Fenton's side, you can also you can also hit the like button. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's. Oh, it was Thank egregious. You, Paul. Paul says egregious. LOL, hardly. Paul. Thank you, Paul. Wait, I wonder who's the offensive guy and who's the defensive hmm. guy here. Paul, <laughs> we're going to fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they say that when, when you're on a show, the best way to engage with the audience is to threaten them. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a quick, we're just going to just jump away from that really quick. I, we got to talk about this real quick. Uh, Hindsight is 2020 and you can't change the past, but what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you'd ask to borrow a little cash. Now you can with Dave. Dave is the banking app that you that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer, instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve, member FDIC. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Danny Shelton. First look at him uh, in a Chiefs jersey. And it might have been two Chiefs jerseys. That man is huge. He's an absolute unit. And I've been geeked out uh, about the prospect of adding some additional support at the one tech position. We've been having a lot of discourse today uh, about Danny Shelton, the prospects of the roster construction along the interior of the defensive line. Matthew, thoughts on the very small sample size we saw from Danny Shelton. Thoughts on the idea of adding him. All that good stuff, wherever you want to go with this. Large guy. Um, he's clearly a backup nose tackle type that is coming in to sit in the, you know, in the middle of the field, clog up some run lanes, give Derek Nadi some spell as a run defending defensive tackle. Because quite frankly, the Chiefs have zero on this roster after Derek Nadi. I, I like the addition of Taylor Stallworth. I think that there's a chance he can do good, but he's still a penetrating, you know, slashing defensive tackle. He's not a guy that's going to always excel eating up space in the middle of the field. They don't have anyone to do that after Derek Nottie. So yeah, I'm fine with Danny Shelton coming in and hopefully being that, that guy. When you start looking through, you know, some of their defensive tackle roster, you know, you got Nottie and Chris Jones starting and then you have, Tershawn Wharton, Taylor Stallworth, Colin Saunders, even Mike Dana playing on the inside, Malik Herring. Like these guys are all quicker pass rushers, a little bit more on the undersized side. Like get somebody else in there that can actually hold up against a double team and they can stop the run. I'm all for it. I don't think this is a lock to make the team by any stretch of the imagination. He didn't look particularly great in the clips that we saw. He just looked particularly large and capable of holding an anchor versus multiple players. Yeah, that's uh, and maybe that's my concern. I, I I do think that this role is desperately needed. I mean, we we remember all these guys that have played this position in the past. Mike Pinnell is the first guy I think that a lot of people come to mind, and he played nearly you know he played around 320 snaps. Colin Saunders actually started as that backup nose tackle role that you know early on in that year played about 70 snaps. So that's about 400 snaps that the Chiefs are allocating to a backup one tech position now last year jaron reed tried to play that role they tried to put him in that role a lot to some limited success you know that's not really his forte there so they obviously looked at the roster and went we're not going to test out another penetrative you know interior defensive lineman we want to get a guy that can eat up some space danny shelton can definitely do that he's a hard man to move he's a very big man the thing that i i look at a little bit with all of this is i see a guy that is very large. He's always been very large, but his best year in the NFL was arguably his second year in New England. His second year in New England, he dropped a ton of weight to get down to 325 pounds. The year before, he was playing closer to 350, and Bill Belichick hated something about the way that he was playing at the end of the season and started making him a healthy scratch. I don't know if people remember that at the end of 2018. He was a healthy scratch for a Bill Belichick defense because he didn't like something about what was happening on the field. Obviously got rectified with losing some weight, maybe some focus, something like that. Had the best year of his career. Since then, he's bounced around again, and he looks to be bigger again. So I, I do wonder if he's going to be able to contribute in the way that the Chiefs have asked that backup nose tackle role to play for them. And I know it just seems like, hey, 
go out there for a drive or two a game, eat up some space. That's all we really need you to do. But Derek Nottie's also not been the, the healthiest guy either. And so if you are relying on a guy to come in for spot duty and you're going to keep one of four players, essentially, it's basically four guys along the interior that Steve Spagnuolo typically keeps because he likes to kick those defensive ends inside. If you're keeping four guys and one of them is going to be a backup one tech, he's got to be a guy that you can rely on to play a lot of snaps. So remains to be seen. Maybe he'll go out there. Maybe he's got a gas tank underneath there. Maybe that's what that is. And he's, and he's ready to go for 500 snaps, you know, and I, I hope he proves, you know, all of this that I'm saying wrong, but I, I do want to see him on the field for some extended periods of time. Hopefully we get to see some this coming weekend to try and get a little better judge of where he is with his conditioning, where he is in the way that the Chiefs typically use that position. My only counterpoint to that is like, I just, I imagine, I imagine life without Derek Noddy, without a stable. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's I, it's desperately needed. What are, <laughs> yeah. what are you? I mean, I love Turk Wharton. He's awesome, but like Turk Wharton's there for sub packages. I mean, and I mean that's it. That's the that's the proven commodities along the interior. And as far as guys that can really be forces in the run game, I mean, I think the list starts and stops with Derek Nottie and Danny Shelton. So that's what worries me. Uh, and that's why I mean, I, the fascinating roster construction in some regard too, because like, do the chiefs not care that much about that? Like what's, what's the deal there? You know, like those are the things I wonder, I'd rather have a Steve little Spagnuolo more. cares. Steve Spagnuolo just, desperately Steve cares. Spagnuolo cares if you can get run on. I would also counter, uh, Danny Shelton argue like maybe that year in new England, 2019 was his best overall year, but as a pure run defender back when he was heavier with Cleveland, in 2000, I believe. I mean, it was a while back, but 16, 17, he was clearly heavier. Those were probably his better run defending years. Like that's probably when he was at his best as just being a plugger that is clogging up the lanes in the middle. I can understand why Bill Belichick, who had Vince Wilfork and then a bunch of guys that can actually move a little bit afterwards, is like, hey, we need you to move. Whereas, you know, I'm just, in theory, he's only getting on the field to clog up run lanes a la Mike Pinnell during his run with the Chiefs. Now, I understand Craig's concern. If Derek Nottie is hurt and you have to rely on him, which is essentially what Kent and I are saying, like, this is the reason you need to have somebody around. Uh, you got to be able to play, you know, five, six, at least snaps in a row. Right now, Danny Shelton's not playing five, six snaps in a row. <laughs> he's just not. He's taking the college knee to get off the field. He's just not doing it. Like, so you're hoping by, you know, October, mid-October, he's back into football playing shape for a very large nose tackle and then you're just trying to get him just in spell duty just i see a need for him on the roster whether it's him or somebody else that can do it Mm -hmm. just i think it's a i think it's a big need i would i would agree and i would love for him to be the guy because he's gonna eat a double quite literally eat the double he's going to do so and i i think that he can be an impactful player just yeah it, it is what it is i did want to throw this on there those years in cleveland that he was at his best just to kind of line everything up here. He admitted he was up around 370 for that, especially that rookie year in Cleveland. He was 370. So, and he's a tough man to move. So we'll we'll see how that works out though. Uh we will be taking a few questions here before we get out of here, I believe. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, Matthew? Hmm. Is um no, nah, let's get some, let's get some questions in. We got to fill some time while people start flowing in some questions. So I I do want to ask if we thought, you know, just some some random stuff mattered. So here, here's one. Do you guys think that it mattered from the preseason game that Leo Chanel technically was a third-string linebacker? He didn't play with the second-string linebacker unit. He didn't play until Elijah Lee was complete. I mean, he played one snap before that, but it was Jermaine Carter, Darius Harris, and Elijah Lee for a couple series. Then Leo Schnell came in when Elijah Lee's time was over. So do we think it matters at all that he didn't even get second team linebacker reps? Nah, I I mean, I I think he's a lock for the roster. I think he's a lock for special teams. So, I mean, I think he's going to be active every single week. Dude wants to run around out there and hit. I think it's fine. I, I really do think it's fine. I do wonder if some of that has to do with his helmet because yeah, he, we know he had a green dot and I wonder if they just, had a certain number of helmets that they can use and he was just kind of a casualty of the fact that 
he was wearing a communications device in that helmet. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, make, make sure you're getting in some questions here if you guys want to ask a few questions. Also, feel free to hit the like button. He, feel free to hit the subscribe button. Uh, we we're kind of just uh, we're going to answer a few questions before we get out of here. Kind of look at some of the things that may matter, may not. Um, do we like all right? So do we think it matters how like Rojo's limited snaps, Rojo's quality of snaps? Does it matter? What do you think, Matthew? Yes, it 100% matters that he was the fourth running back to see the field, and then he was quite bad when he did it. Now, the Chiefs didn't do him do him a lot of favors in terms of they, they ran a sprint out in which he was going to be isolated one-on-one with a defensive end, and everybody besides Ronald Jones knew that was happening, apparently. Um, so like just putting him in that situation when you know he's a pretty poor pass protector is already bad enough. They tried an outside zone run with them. They tried a few more zone runs, and I think – they should have. So, like, yes, I think it all matters that he looked plotting. He didn't look fast. He looked bad in pass protection. I think all of that matters. That said, I think they need to give him some actual downhill runs to see what happens to see if he looks better because that's where he will look the best. I still think he looks like he's plotting. I don't think he looks explosive right now. But um, I think that, yeah, give him some downhill runs, see what happens, see if he looks a little bit more explosive when that's happening. All right, let's get to some of these questions here real quick. Uh, we'll start at uh, Tucker. All right, so uh, Matthew Kittner asks if Joshua Kando is making the roster. Craig, you got this one. What do you think? Oh, I think he's looked worse than Malik Herring right now the, this preseason. I would have said he was a fairly safe lock. I think that he's got some upside there, and clearly you know, he was hurt last year. I think another year in the system is going to do him some good, but honestly – haven't been super impressed with everything that we've seen from him. I think Malik Herring's played a little bit better, but I, I can also see the Chiefs banking on the athletic profile there and trying to get the most out of him. So, and I was he was another guy I was going to bring up of does it matter? He played in the Chiefs' fourth defensive series, but then he played all the way till the second to last defensive series. So he essentially <laughs> played from the second quarter to the end of the game. So what you know, what do we do with that information? He did get on the field before Malik Caring. I would contend that he had some pretty bad reps as well on the field earlier on. He was getting sealed versus the run game, getting kicked out. He was crashing down and letting runs get outside of him and which, when it looked like he should be the force player. So I don't think it was a great showing for him. I would hedge on the side of giving him more time to figure out what happens. I like give him the rest of this camp. However, I'm with Craig. If you're trying to make a team to win right now, I think Malik Herring might offer more this year based on what we've seen. The saving grace for Kando is he's 100% a defensive end. Herring's a little bit of a hybrid. You already have Mike Dana playing in that hybrid role. You have a bunch of other undersized those tackles and or defensive tackles. So, you know, he's a different type of body, and that's what I think he has going for him right now. All right, uh, next question here. Tucker, what you got for us? Uh, Sophia Serrano, why is Sky not running more with the ones? Well, I mean, the, real quick, I don't think the ones played particularly much. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was only on there for a series. I know I think the offensive line, some of the skill players were able to extend a little bit far beyond that. Um, I think personnel groupings had a little bit of do that because the Chiefs were playing a little bit of heavier personnel. And they played some two receiver sets. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's anything to be alarmed with either because I mean, the chiefs are going to cycle a lot of receivers in too, at the same time, you know, they're going to, they're going to utilize four receivers frequently. I mean, the Demarcus Robinsons, the Byron Pringles of the world were able to get, you know, some significant snap counts, even though Tyree kill McCole Hardman were already on the field. So, I mean, four receivers are going to get plenty of playing time. Sky Moore might be quote unquote on the outside looking in, but I don't think anything he, I mean, everything he did in that first game it tells you that there's a clear role for him because his skill set warrants it what he put on tape warranted it he did some you know catching a tough play on third down you know the 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 tightrope catch on the sidelines like those are really positive things like you look at the quote-unquote ingredients Andy Reid has to work with those are going to get utilized when the when the when when the game start counting for sure next question what we got well I, I, well, I oh, here we go uh, that's no. perfect no you're good Tuck you're good Reader, reader, here. Who will lead your team in receptions with Tyreek gone, and will Juju be a true deep threat? I'm, I'm going to tie this into Sky Moore because I, I had a little bit with Sky Moore too. Um, who's going to lead the team in receptions? Travis Kelsey, I guess. Um, but after him, Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think it's almost a lock. 
Uh, the fact that he went out and played every single first team rep, he's the only wide receiver to do so when they're with, you know, uh, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, whatever it is, he's going to be on the field. I also think he's going to be working the areas of the field that's going to get the most receptions. He's going to get the most targets. So Juju would be, I think, a very safe bet here. And I think going back to Sky Moore, when you start to parse out how the Chiefs are using the receivers, this is a little bit of a teaser for what you know. I'm writing on later this week for the KCSN Substack. It was pretty clear where the Chiefs wanted to use these receivers, right? Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to be your ex-wide receiver. And his backup is Justin Watson. Those two guys played essentially the exact same role, working on the same parts of the field. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be outside when there are two wide receivers, obviously, but he's the first guy they want to kick into the slot. You know who else did that? Sky Moore. So there's your answer on why Sky Moore is not getting first-team reps. The one guy that's playing all the first-team reps, he's Sky Moore's almost mirroring Juju's exact route tree and usage when he's out there. You then still have to factor in McCole Hardman, who I think is primarily going to be your an outside, you know, vertical threat, but he's going to take some of those reps from the slot too. So like it's just going to be hard for Sky more specifically to break the first team as long as Juju is healthy. But if you start watching what routes these guys run, I think you get a pretty clear idea of who they see and where they see them. And it's just MVS, Justin Watson, then Juju Smith Schuster with Sky Moore right behind him. I think McColl is kind of the guy that's on his own right now because they don't have anybody else that can match that speed, but you can see pretty clear backups. And I think that's going to prevent Sky Moore from getting his first team reps, at least for a while, because it's going to be hard to get everybody out there at once. And for what it's worth, Juju ain't playing 100% of the snaps. <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> Andy's going to rotate True. those dudes around. Sky's going to see plenty of snaps, and the two of them will be on the field together. They they will. That's not what Maddie's trying to say here, but out of 11 snaps. <laughs> in the preseason here especially when they're working so much you know heavy personnel like sky is just going to be mirroring him behind him all right next question tuck what you got for us jason thomas how do you feel about darian Kennard working behind prince tiga winogo at right tackle today matthew the offensive tackle position was a train wreck in this game i andrew wiley didn't play particularly well but he was fine orlando brown jr was fine you know there's a play if i'm gonna be nitpicky there was a play where he cost uh mbs a touchdown because he got beat to the inside but it is what it is after that roderick johnson is he's not playable he can't be a second string offensive tackle i think garen christian was fine not saying he was good but he was fine as a backup left tackle i thought roderick johnson was terrible and the thing is he was clearly better than anybody that played tackle after him. And that includes Darian Kennard. So yikes, Chiefs offensive line is not good after the starting unit. Like I think if they have any significant injuries, they are in trouble because that those units looked really bad. Roderick Johnson, Darian Kennard, um, I, they had uh, a couple other guys playing on the outside. I think the guy that was cut today as well was one of the guys playing tackle. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name. <laughs> it was just bad though. It was bad, so I don't feel good about the way Kennard looked in that first game. Listen, we we like the way that Prince Tiguanogo looks when he's on the field. He's just rarely on the field. Like I'm not mad yes. at Prince getting getting a little more run. He's just never healthy there. That being said, put some respect on Nick Allegretti's name, Maddie. Come on now, that that man is very clearly offensive line. Fine, six. he is. <laughs> him and him and Garen Christian, I think, are by yeah. the Garen spots as backup yeah. offensive and i think their play you know shows that and i honestly think austin Ryder's probably guaranteed a spot if i'm looking at it right now too it's just there was so much bad with those guys that it just really overshadowed them being fine or capable thank god for joe tooney <laughs> and maybe uh maybe even uh maybe even trey smith like i don't know like we'll find out you know uh, all right. Well, let's, let's get a couple more questions in here. TikTok. Uh, anything? I think Tucker had a question that he put up briefly that was um talking about. I think it might take Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit to learn to drift with Patrick Mahomes as Mahomes is scrambling a little bit. Just saying that MVS understands it playing with Rodgers. Juju's been with a statuesque quarterback, so it <laughs> might take him a little bit of time before you know he's just. Not that he's not ready to play with Patrick Mahomes, just it might take him some time to feel comfortable with the broken plays. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, you use the word statuesque when referring to Ben Roethlisberger, and like that's a 
We'll, we'll leave that one aside. It's nicer he, than he, I usually am. He's he's very not not pretty. Um, he, but yeah, no, I, and I think that I think that's a great point. Working with Aaron Rodgers, working with him on some of that stuff, those second reaction plays, things like that, it makes sense that MVS is a little more attuned to that. Some of that might be because it seems like MVS was pretty much at every one of those, you know, training things that Mahomes did down in Texas. Juju was certainly there, not saying that he didn't put in the work or that he won't get to that point, but I do think that it's kind of it's kind of innate in the way that MVS plays because he's been in the system for so long. And then just being on that same page as Patrick has done some of that scramble stuff in Texas, it probably just means that he's just a little further ahead on that. That being said, Juju, I think he'll be fine at it. I, I, I do. I think he's not necessarily going to drift in the same ways. I think you're going to see him find space. So I think it's going to be a little bit different than MVS. MVS might mirror Patrick as he comes across the pocket because he's just kind of used to doing that with Rodgers. I think you're going to see Juju kind of out leverage a safety or something like that, work into space, knowing that Patrick is going to be able to toss the ball all over the field, you know, no matter where he is find the space and offer him that other alternative there. So I think they're going to compliment each other on those scramble drills, honestly. All right, Tuck, next question. What you got? Alyssa Harger, what should we be, what should we be watching for against the Washington Commanders? Well, Alyssa, tune in Thursday live. It will be a game preview edition of the KC Laboratory, breaking down all things Chiefs, Commanders, Thursday night, be back here 8 p.m. We will answer all those questions. Thank you all so much uh, for listening, for watching, for asking wonderful questions. This is the KC Laboratory. We'll catch you later. Sky Moore. Watch Sky Moore. Sky Moore. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.